Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. Hi there, ladies and gents. Frank Flake here, your host of the Sophisticated Property Investing Podcast. In today's episode, I am going to be talking to you about adversity or when stuff doesn't go to plan. For me, this is one of the most underrated, un talked about aspects of success in business and enterprise. It's a real skill. It's a real muscle that needs to be exercised in order to be strengthened, in order to improve, in order to succeed. It really is so important. This is something that I've definitely got better at, much, much better. And um, it's very hard to get good at it without actually experiencing it, without things going wrong. And I think as presenters, as public speakers, it's really easy to... Now, it's not even skimming over it. It's interesting. And I'm, I'm classing myself in this. It's not that we skim over it because most speakers will gain credibility at the start of a presentation by telling their story. So most speakers will say, you know, this was me and then I did this and then I achieved this and it got really hard and now it's this because they want to be real or because they want to connect with the audience, most of whom won't have achieved what they've achieved. But I don't think in a five minute, super, super compressed bio, it's possible to communicate the level and the depth of challenge adversity and negative emotion that we've been through. I just don't think it's possible. And if you, if you spent an hour on that, <laughs> everyone would want to slit their wrists when they left the, the auditorium. So I, I think it's through necessity, but I don't think it's that helpful. I think that failures, and I'm going to call them that on purpose because people go, oh, there's no such thing as failure. You only have lessons to to learn. I I saw a quote yesterday. I'm probably going to butcher it, but it was, there's no such thing as mistakes. You're either learning to grow or you're growing to learn. Something along the lines of that, something, something like that. And I was like, oh, that's so fluffy and lovely. But actually, I think you can read platitudes like that, but that doesn't help you when you've just lost the biggest deal of your life that would have doubled your net worth that you've been working on for a year. And I've seen that in clients' faces. I've seen the disappointment in a client's face when they have come to a deal surgery at the front of the room and they've talked through all their numbers and I've looked at the deal and this is something that you know they've got really excited about and they're really bought into and they go so how am I going to do this deal and I've looked at it and I've said there's not a deal there that's not worth any more of your time that's not gonna result in a win-win you need to walk away you need to tell the vendor you can't help them and walk away or if the vendor requires that and is unwilling to budge then you need to tell them that it's not a deal and 
I've seen that crushing disappointment. I was coaching a client in a small group environment yesterday and it was a different situation, but they were really excited about a business opportunity. It was a mastermind and they were asking for input. And I said, look, the easy thing for me to do is to say, you know, is to say, I think you should do A, I think you should do B. I think this is brilliant. Good luck with it. But I didn't believe it. I thought it was a business opportunity that wasn't worthy of them. I thought they were able and capable and deserving of so much more and that they should pass on this opportunity. And as, as um, Dolph DeRue says, a friend of mine, an ambassador of what I do in property, he says that the deal of the century comes along about once a week. And that is such a good saying for when you're critiquing an opportunity. In that moment, it's crushing. And I could see it on my client's face yesterday. And I said, look, I know you're disappointed. I know this is hard to hear. But if I don't tell you what I'm thinking, I'm, I'm doing you a disservice. I don't want you to, I'd rather you be acutely pained now and, and, and acutely disappointed now rather than chronically disappointed for the next couple of years whilst this business opportunity potentially doesn't work out. And of course, there's no definite when it's in a coaching environment like that. But adversity can be very definite. I've been absolutely gutted with uh, stuff in the past. I worked my socks off for a joint venture a few um oh how long ago now maybe two years ago and it was it was a franchise joint venture actually which is ironic because my last podcast was about <laughs> how I'm getting better at joint ventures but I learned from this one we signed two franchisees um structured the whole franchise and then the guy said he wanted to run it solo and so I basically stepped back and he moved forward with the entire project with me having structured it, worked out how it worked, started monetizing it, etc. And yeah, that was painful. It was very hard to put a positive spin on that. I did put a positive spin on it. And I think that's critical. I think it'd be really easy to drop below the line and blame my JV partner, deny that I'd done anything wrong. <laughs> which clearly I had, you know, when you go into a joint venture or when you start a sale or when you start a business, obviously you have a massive degree of control over that. Obviously you have a massive degree of responsibility. And he didn't feel comfortable in the JV. It was as simple as that. And so I lost what I was expecting to be a really solid income stream and a, probably a few hundred hours of my time. And it's that ability. I, I said it without thinking there. I said I put a positive spin on it. It is that ability to have something negative happen to you and you still be able to function. You still be able to put the phone down, feel that crushing defeat and still be able to have a functional conversation with a smile on your face five minutes later to the next person. And I think it's okay to feel disappointment, but it's not okay to wallow. It's okay to sit down and fill out a like best next time sheet and work out how you're going to improve and grow. But it's not okay to sit and eat ice cream till 2am and down two bottles of wine. It's 
okay to cry, but not okay to sit in your pajamas for a week. These are my rules, right? Because I've had enough adversity. I've felt low enough. I've had enough stuff go wrong that I've got pretty good at it. And I think that's, and you might be thinking, well, if you've had so much go, go wrong, Frank, why do you think you can, why, do, why should I be listening to you? And that's a really good point. <laughs> But the thing is, I take massive action. I take so much action and do so much stuff that of course some things are going to go wrong. Of course some things aren't going to go to plan. And so if that is the case, if things are not going to go right, if things are going to hit a brick wall and, and not pan out, I think having a strategy for that, or as I've just said, having rules for that are really important really important so i don't always follow the rules but having them really helps me so one of my rules is no matter how bad i feel i will still go to bed with my other half because i know that my temptation my propensity is when i feel bad is to stay up late and you might think that's not too bad staying up late but there's a whole cascade of unhelpful results of me staying up late so for example if i don't go to bed at like half 10 11 with my other half often it'll be one two or three o'clock well there's no way i'm getting up i'm going to bed at three o'clock and getting up at half six with you know the joys of life skipping out to the bathroom that that's not going to happen uh, i woke up at 6 15 this morning with no alarm that was because my body had had enough sleep and I was ready for the day. I was excited to get cracking for today and to record this podcast. If I go to bed with my other half, then we have a little chat in bed, have a cuddle. We have a little chat in bed, have a cuddle. We do word all together. Like we've got this whole routine and then I normally read for perhaps half an hour and I fall asleep. And if I get eight hours sleep rather than three or four hours sleep, I feel way better in the morning. Also, when it's late, if I'm up for an extra four hours, five hours, I eat. And typically <laughs> at 2 a.m. I don't eat healthy food. I'm not going to be knocking myself up a salad and going outside to the garden to chop some herbs and uh, opening a bag of uh, lentils to sprinkle over my salad. Now I'm typically going for uh, something laden with fat and laden and with sugar. I might have an extra glass of wine or two, or if I'm up for three or four hours, it might end up uh, being the end of the bottle, which doesn't help you after four hours sleep either to perform at your best the next day. And if I'm really tired the next day and I'm really hungover, for example, if I have had a drink, then the likelihood of me exercising is much lower. And I know that exercise is really, really important to my state of mind, to my energy level. I feel amazing when I've exercised, but I'm not going to lie to you. It's really hard for me to exercise. I find it really hard to motivate myself to go to the gym, which is funny because I've, I've been an international <laughs> athlete in two different sports. I've trained every day of the week for years of my life. I've trained twice a day for months and months of my life. So you'd think I'd develop the habit by now, but perhaps because of that, I find it quite hard to exercise. I, get it, I find it hard to get out the door, but I know it's what's right for me. And I think that is the key, knowing what you need to do. I think it's uh, Jim Rohn that used to say, successful people do what needs to be done and unsuccessful people do what they feel like doing. And so going to bed early, eating healthily during the day, like often I'll fast. Now that won't work if you've got an eating disorder and it won't perhaps work if, you know, you have a, an unhealthy relationship with food. But for me, fasting, so at, at the moment, 
I'm fasting 20 hours a day. So I'm having one meal at dinner time. So I'll wake up and my first meal will be 6, 7 p.m. Sometimes I'll have a second meal at 9 p.m., something like that. Sometimes I won't. That gives me massive energy. That might not work for you, but it doesn't matter what works. It doesn't matter if what works for me doesn't work for you. It's about you creating your own healthy environment. I entice myself to go to the gym by making my gym session really easy. And I've been criticized for that in the past. Friends of mine, even my PT in the past has said, Frank, you don't train hard enough. You should really be pushing yourself. And a couple of times I've listened to them and trained so hard because I have a really competitive nature that I injure myself or I make it such a mental barrier to get to the gym that I don't actually go to the gym often enough. I go once a week. Well, it's really hard to get fit on once a week. Whereas I play solitaire in the gym and you'll laugh at me, but I can do the cross train. I do the cross trainer whilst playing solitaire and I sit on the um, seated bike. So like the, the, the sitting backwards bike. Um, don't know what that's called like the horizontal bike. Uh, both of those have solitaire on them at my gym. So I play solitaire and I do it until I win, which for some reason, these um, the, the machines I use are really, really hard <laughs> to win. It takes me anywhere between 20 minutes at the absolute quickest and the longest I think was an hour uh, and I hadn't actually won. Very rarely do I not manage to finish a game, but I'll play 10, 12, 15 games. But the thing is, I'm really focused on the game. I listen to some really pumping music. My favorite song at the moment, oh, let me tell you. Oh, yeah, it's um, Nina Simone, Cinnamon, as in Sinner Man, but I think it's all one word, not like the spice. And I put that on. It's It's the theme tune to the Thomas crown affair um and at the moment that track it's about a 10 minute track fills me with energy and then it goes on to if you're on spotify it like create it finds songs that are similar and so i have 20 to probably 45 minutes normally of that and by that point i've done a session i've only exercised my legs relatively gently but i'm sweating puffing and panting a bit and then i'll do some stretching and then it, if I feel like it, and sometimes that'll be it, I'll stretch and I'll go home. And you think, oh, that's not great, Frank. But if it's boosted my uh, metabolism. It's got the blood pumping. It's got me puffing and panting. I've stretched my muscles out so they're more flexible. And that's it. I've been healthy. Then other times I'll go and pump iron for half an hour and we'll feel even better. And sometimes I'll pump out iron for like half an hour, 45 minutes. And then I'll go back on one of the aerobic machines to play some more solitaire. So it can easily be a two hour session. But here's the thing, I've made it easy to get through the door. I've made it easy to get to the gym. So those are some of my helpful habits. The other helpful habit, and, and listen to my language here, we all have habits, but we get to choose what we do. We get to choose the helpful ones and the unhelpful ones. And we get to choose what we do in the moment. I limit my exposure to anything that's going to make me feel negative, anything that's going to make me feel bad. I won't read the news. I won't watch the news. In fact, it popped up last night. I was um, sitting down at like five to 10 and sometimes I'll watch a program, like a series that I'm watching. And I just decided to scroll through Sky, which is never a good idea because you normally end up watching something a bit junky, but I didn't have uh, ages to watch TV. I just sat down with my second meal of the day and I thought, what's on? So I'd just gone through and there at 10 o'clock in five minutes time was the 
10 o'clock news. And for a moment, I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on in the world. And then I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> you have no desire to be f- to fill your head with that negativity. And that's a rule. That's like a, you don't watch the news. You're not someone who listens to the news or watches the news. Yesterday, I was, I was coaching, as I mentioned, in this small group, re- in this small group meeting. One of the one of my clients said, "Oh my goodness! Like what's happening in Nottingham?" Someone else said, "Oh, you know what is it?" And that there'd been three murders apparently in in Nottingham, and it was on the news. And someone else jumped on the news, and it actually popped up on my feed. It popped up on Google yesterday evening, and I thought, "Oh, that's thing. That's that thing in Nottingham. I should have a look at that." And then I thought, I stopped myself. I didn't actually click on it. I thought, "No, why are you interested?" in three people being killed in Nottingham. That, that, that's not gonna make you feel better. And it's about having that self-awareness. It's about protecting your mind. And that sounds weird, but it, your mind is fragile. I don't wanna focus on three people getting killed. How's that gonna make me feel better? How's that gonna make me perform at a higher level? How's that gonna make me happier? It's really not. I presented to a new group last week and I'd not presented to this uh, group before I gave out a best next time sheet and you've heard me say that twice now in this session so I'll explain what a like best next time sheet is I have done previously on the podcast it's a document that I use loads in my business I use it with my team I use it myself to critique performance so at the end of any performance so whether that's my presenting for a day, whether it's a sales interaction, whether it's a meeting, I'll often do a like best next time review. And it's if I went back to the start of this performance, what would I do the same? So what did I like best? And what would I change? What would I do differently? What would I do differently next time? So like best next time. And I said to this new group last week, I said, right, here's your like best next time sheet. I'd like you to jot down everything that you really enjoyed about today and you'd like you know if we went back and did the day again you'd like to do the same then i said i'd also like you to jot down everything that if we went back to the start of the day you'd like me to do differently and there were some really good suggestions like can we move around the room more because it was like a a nine hour day um i'd move them twice and they were like we really like moving but could we do it a bit more the room was a bit cold at one point so someone said you know if we went back i'd like the room slightly warmer etc etc stuff like that. really helpful stuff and i said but before you fill it in there's a rule and i and they, they laughed because i talk about rules of the game quite a lot and stuff which is you know how we're all gonna conduct ourselves etc how we're gonna get the most out of the day and i said the rule is you have to have twice as many like best as next times. And they were like, ha, that's just so you can feel better. And I was like, yeah. And they like laughed a bit, but I was absolutely serious. I was like, yeah, I read these at the end of the day. So I have this little ritual, I get home. I'm absolutely drained. At the end of a day's presenting, I leave nothing left. You know, I leave my soul on the floor of the stage. I said, yeah, so when I get home tonight, I'm going to get all these out and I'm going to read them. And I want there to be twice as many positives as things you want me to improve and someone said that's such a good idea and I thought yeah it is a good idea I'm guaranteeing that I'm going to feel amazing when I read your feedback now of course I can have 
I'm going to have things that are going to help me to improve, but I want to feel really good at the end. I could easily say, tell me anything you want me to do better next time. That would just feel rubbish, wouldn't it? A list of 50 things from, you know, a bunch of people telling me how rubbish it was. Interesting, isn't it? And that's a, a strategy that I use. What strategies do you have to overcome things going wrong? Because if you take action and the least painful way to avoid this is to never take any action. But a bit like my client that I mentioned earlier, if you don't take any action, you are going to be chronically in pain. So over a long period of time, you're going to be in loads of pain. If you want more money than you've currently got, but you never take any action, you're not going to have more money than you've currently got unless you take some action. So you're going to be in pain financially for the rest of your life. If you are overweight or suffer from health ailments and you don't take the painful action now to improve your health, to improve your fitness, to improve your nutrition, then you will go through lots of pain over the rest of your life as your body pays the price for those decisions. And so it's a helpful leverage. I talk about leverage a lot. It's a helpful way of leveraging yourself. And I use it a lot to think about, do I want the short-term discomfort? I don't generally use the word pain. Do I want the short-term discomfort of doing this? Going to the gym, making a phone call I'd rather not make, writing an email that's gonna be hard for me, doing an analysis of the numbers before my end of year, <laughs> tax submissions, et cetera, et cetera. Do I want the short-term discomfort of this or do I want the long-term pain of not doing it? If you ratchet up those emotions strongly enough, it gives you leverage, it gives you motivation to do the work that you're trying to put off or to take the necessary action that you'd rather not do. And I think those strategies that I've shared on this episode are probably my main ones. I think the only other one that I'd mention is being really careful. I've talked about your environment. I've talked about what you fill your mind with, but also the people you surround yourself with. It's so important to be around positive action takers. If you go online and surround yourself with virtual people who are being negative are gaining energy from knocking others down it can only reinforce that you shouldn't take action we sometimes get um, comments on our facebook adverts and i used to read them all and now i don't read them all i don't read any i used to have a member of staff forward me ones that they thought i should see now i don't get any forwarded they just respond to them and there was a guy who I made the mistake of actually caring what he said. And he said something along the lines of, you guys should be ashamed of yourselves. Your website's not even GDPR compliant. So I looked at the website to check that, you know, all the GDPR stuff was on there. And, and, and as far as I could see, it was. And so I messaged him back and I said, thank you so much for your comment. Clearly, you know more about GDPR than, than I do. Please, could you tell me what, in what way are we not compliant? Because I'd like to be compliant. He came back with a really sarcastic, really like passive aggressive response along the lines of there's 10 things wrong with your website. If you don't know what they are, then you're a fool or something like really horrible. I looked at his profile then. I thought, well, this is really aggressive. Like, does this guy sell his services? Like, 
is he trying to get my business? So I looked and he doesn't. But I looked at his posts and he was doing it to loads of people. So loads of his posts and comments and stuff were knocking people down about their GDPR. Clearly he had a thing about GDPR. And I said, thank you for, you know, telling me that there's 10 things wrong. I'm like really uh, surprised. But what are they? And I'll get them fixed. And he he just came back with a one-line response, something along the lines of, I'm not doing your business for you. Uh, he might have even said F off. I can't remember. I've had so many of those on <laughs> online that I can't remember. And I just thought, do you know what? This guy wants nothing positive out of this interaction. It's just made him feel good to write that really... He's seen my advert and that has triggered something in him that is negative. It's triggered a negative response. He has chosen to react in a really negative, attacking putting down manner and despite me going back really friendly and like really openly i'm sure some people would have you know sworn back at him or you know being just blocked him and deleted his comment or whatever i really interacted with him on a positive level i wanted it to be a positive outcome i really did i actually had in mind a uh, article that i read a few uh, years ago where someone who was um pretty big on social media and um, decided to phone every single person who left them a negative comment because they wanted to break down that barrier of anonymity and I think it really is a problem online where people don't feel like you know they would say things online that they'd never say in person probably because they'd be worried about being punched in the face but they feel like they have this blanket of um, anonymity and a blanket of um, security So this person in this article uh, went and found them online and found their phone numbers and uh, gave those that he could find phone numbers for a call. And he actually said it was really positive. He actually had really positive interactions with uh, some of the people some of them he didn't but he he like won some people over and they they ended up having positive relationships which I thought was great so maybe I was trying to emulate that I definitely had it in my mind when I did this but at the end of the day he had no interest in that it wasn't making me feel great I just thought you know what I I checked to my web designer actually I sent it to my web designer I said do you do you think we're missing anything here and they said no to the best of our knowledge we're completely compliant and I thought you know what that guy might be making it up This might be the only way in the world that he can get positive affirmation that he has value by telling other people that they're rubbish and by telling other people that they've made massive mistakes. And if that's his game, if that's how he feels better, then, you know, who am I to judge? But I'm not going to get sucked into it. Tim Ferriss talks about responding to uh, negative comments and that just bumps up the algorithm so it sits on the front page for longer, you know. And, And the fact that when you argue with an idiot, it just creates two idiots. And I think all of that is very positive, is, is very accurate. And so surrounding yourself with positive people, my other half, Paula, is really supportive. No matter what I'm going through, she tells me I'm a good person. She tells me that I give loads of value to those around me. She tells me that my clients benefit from their interactions with me. Just small things like that. She tells me that I work hard. She tells me that I'm deserving of the results I get. And that just gives me a a spring in my step. It gives me a few inches taller. It makes me a few inches taller when I walk through the door. I've been in relationships previously where that hasn't been the case. I haven't had that level of, of support. 
and it, it makes it harder then you're having to create all that positivity from within and so surrounding yourself by positive people is really important i'm going to barbados next week for a friend's 50th birthday i think there's nine couples going I think I'm right in saying nine couples. They've hired a, a villa with a chef and, and stuff. And we're spending a whole week there just to celebrate uh, my friend's uh, 50th. The atmosphere for that week, I'm convinced, will be massively positive, massively empowering. And the reason I am convinced of that, I only know four out of the nine couples, plus me and my other half. So, no, sorry, I know four people. Yeah, I only know four people out of the 18 going, and then there's me and my other half. So that's six, right? Six out of 18. So I know a third of the people. So there's two thirds of people I don't know. There's 12 people I don't know, never met before. In fact, we've exchanged photos on WhatsApp so we could all find each other in the airport because we're all like flying out on the same flight, the same British Airways flight. Because I know my friend really well, and I know the other couple they've invited, like that they are four of the most positive people that I know, the most above the line. And when I talk about above the line, I'm talking about action coach. I, I talked about below the line earlier in the podcast. Above the line, Brad Sugars talks about having ownership, being accountable, taking responsibility. Those people are some of the most above the line people that I know. Hugely successful as a result of their mindset. It's not the other way around. Then they don't have a positive mindset because they're successful. They're hugely successful because of their positive mindset. But the second part of above the line is below the line. And that is blame, excuses and denial, which I talked about earlier. I'd be amazed if there's any below the line-ness during the week. Absolutely amazed. It's possible, but it will be overwhelmingly positive because my friend won't have invited negative people because I know he wouldn't stand for it he wouldn't have that level of negativity in his environment. It just, he would not tolerate it. That might sound really harsh, but it's not harsh, it's survival. How do you overcome adversity if you've got people all around you hitting you on the head with a sledgehammer? You're not gonna be able to, but you overcome adversity when you are surrounded by empowering people, surrounded by empowering thoughts. When you take empowering action, that's when you can thrive in the face of things going wrong. That's when you can continue to take positive action when things aren't going to plan. Guys, I hope that this uh, episode, I don't normally focus on negative stuff. I'm normally focusing on positive stuff. But the difficulty with that is if something negative happens to you, you think it would perhaps be possible to think, oh, why has this happened to me? I'm the odd one out. So I just wanted to, you know, share some real reality with you about, you know, th those challenging things, those rubbish things, those failures, uh, that pain happens to all of us and you have it within yourself to overcome it. You have everything you need to be successful so long as you pick yourself back up and carry on. Guys, I hope this has inspired you. I hope it's helped you in some way on your journey to success. And until next time, happy investing. Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment.